Let's read the Word of God in Psalm 94. We'll read the whole of the psalm and consider verse 19 as the text. This is the Word of God. O Lord God, to whom vengeance belongeth, O God, to whom vengeance belongeth, show thyself. Lift up thyself, thou judge of the earth. Render a reward to the proud. Lord, how long shall the wicked, how long shall the wicked triumph? How long shall they utter and speak hard things, and all the workers of iniquity boast themselves? They break in pieces thy people, O Lord, and afflict thine heritage. They slay the widow and the stranger and murder the fatherless. Yet they say, the Lord shall not see, neither shall the God of Jacob regard it. Understand, ye brutish among the people and ye fools, when will ye be wise? He that planted the ear, shall he not hear? And he that formed the eye, shall he not see? He that chastiseth the heathen, shall he not, shall not he correct? He that teacheth man knowledge, shall not he know? The Lord knoweth the thoughts of man, that they are vanity. Blessed is the man whom thou chasteneth, O Lord, and teachest him out of thy law, that thou mayest give him the rest of the days, give him rest from the days of adversity, until the pit be digged for the wicked. For the Lord will not cast off his people, neither will he forsake his inheritance. But judgment shall return unto righteousness, and all the upright in heart shall follow it. Who will rise up for me against the evildoers? Or who will stand up for me against the workers of iniquity? Unless the Lord had been my help, my soul had almost dwelt in silence. When I said, My foot slippeth, Thy mercy, O Lord, held me up. In the multitude of my thoughts within me, thy comforts delight my soul. Shall the throne of iniquity have fellowship with thee, which frameth mischief by a law? They gather themselves together against the soul of the righteous and condemn the innocent blood. But the Lord is my defense, and my God is the rock of my refuge. And he shall bring upon them their own iniquity, and shall cut them off in their own wickedness. Yea, the Lord our God shall cut them off. As far as we read the word of God, may God bless the reading of his word. We consider 
A text that was requested by one of the young women tonight. Verse 19. In the multitude of my thoughts, within me thy comforts delight my soul. Beloved congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, you notice that the psalm begins as a psalm of complaint. A psalm where the psalmist is struggling. It's a psalm where the psalmist is struggling with external circumstances. Obviously, he is struggling with the way that it seems that the Lord is dealing better with the wicked than he is with his own people. But what we see in the text is that the psalmist is not only struggling with outward circumstances, things that are not going his way in his life, but he's struggling with his thoughts within him. And then the psalmist, wrestling with those thoughts, thoughts of depression, of worry and anxiety, wrestling with those thoughts and going to the Lord for help, ends up in the psalm going from unrest and disquiet to peace and quiet. And even what we're going to see in the text, there's not only a sense of calm, that's a blessing, isn't it, when you're struggling with anxiety to find calm, but even delight and joy. And there's something very beautiful about the fact that the psalm deals with thoughts and with the reality that sometimes as the people of God, we have mental struggles. Mental struggles that are spiritual struggles. Growing up, not sure exactly when I started hearing this kind of talk, but during my lifetime I've heard talk something along these lines. In the past, we didn't really acknowledge any mental struggles. In the past, Christians didn't really talk about depression, worry, or anxiety, but we're getting better now. Now, I don't know if that's true. Maybe in the past, Christians were hesitant to acknowledge that people could have mental struggles. And maybe they were also not too quick to be charitable and kind and helpful to people with mental struggles. I'm not even sure if I would say today things are a lot better in regard to all of those things. But I can say this, that for thousands of years, God in His Word has acknowledged the reality that His people can have mental, spiritual struggles. And for thousands of years, God, through a text such as this, has shown Himself to be a God 
of great patience and mercy and compassion to those who have worry, anxious thoughts, a multitude of anxious thoughts. And so you may struggle sometimes as a Christian who thinks there's something wrong with me and it seems like other people judge me because of the mental troubles that I have. But you can put that all aside. Don't think about how other people might view you, how other people might judge you, and think about how your God views you and addresses you in great mercy and love. You have a multitude of anxious thoughts. You have tons of mental anguish. God has many delightful comforts for you. So that's the theme for the sermon tonight. Many comforts for many anxious thoughts. And we're going to notice two things. One, our anxious thoughts. And two, God's delightful comforts. Now in the King James, the text says, in the multitude of my thoughts within me. And you might wonder, why do we make reference then to anxious thoughts? That's not in the English of the King James. So let me explain first of all to you that even though the King James doesn't say in the multitude of my anxious thoughts, that's exactly what the psalmist is speaking of. If the psalmist merely wanted to refer to thoughts of the mind or thoughts of the heart, which are referred to throughout the Scripture, he could have used a different, and he would have used a different Hebrew word. But the psalmist isn't simply thinking of normal thoughts of the mind or heart. The word that he uses here in the Hebrew refers to disquieting thoughts, literally thoughts that divide, thoughts that when they arise in the mind, that means get rid of peace and cause disquiet, cause anxiety. The, the idea is of an excited mind. These are thoughts that make my mind race. And it's the word that is used that way in Job chapter 4, verses 13 and 14, Eliphaz the Temanite speaks of having, well, anxious thoughts at night. And I wonder how many of you can, well, relate at night. Can't sleep. What's going on in your mind? Eliphaz says, in the thoughts, literally in the anxious thoughts, from the visions of the night, when deep sleep falleth on men, he's not sleeping, other men are sleeping, fear came upon me, and trembling, which made all my bones to shake. That's 
what the psalmist is speaking of here. Thoughts, a multitude of them, that are racing in my mind. That take away my sleep, make me anxious, that make me tremble with fear. This is what Psalm 139 is referring to. We're going to sing Psalm 139 at the end of the service, Psalter number 384. We know that psalm well. Verse 23, when the psalmist says, Search me, O God, and know my inmost thoughts. The psalmist is literally saying, Know my inmost anxious thoughts. And the plea of the psalmist is, Lord, bring me comfort. I'm troubled with anxious thoughts. You can read Psalm 139 and and catch a sense of that. The psalmist is feeling so small and insignificant and he's feeling the reality that God is great and glorious and perfect and surely God knows everything about me and, and this causes anxiety within me. God knows my weaknesses and my sins. Lord, help me with my anxious thoughts. So this is what we have here in the text. And the emphasis is on the numerous anxious thoughts. First of all, it's obvious that thoughts is in the plural. This is not the psalmist struggling with a stray worry here and there. But many things he's worried about. And then... In order to put a fine point on it, he speaks of the multitude of my thoughts within me. Now, he's speaking then of a situation in his life, and I wonder if you can relate to this, where it seems like one thought What if this happens? And what if this goes wrong? Leads to more thoughts. And what if this goes wrong? And and the anxious thoughts are multiplying in his mind. And we could spend, couldn't we, the rest of our time here tonight going through many different kinds of fearful thoughts, worry-inducing thoughts that we struggle with as the people of God. But though there's much we could say, there are three things that I believe we should bring out of the text for our instruction and comfort. One is, the psalmist is showing us that struggling with thoughts of anxiety, of worry, is normal. I mentioned that in the introduction to the sermon, but we have to see that. Here is the psalmist, a man of God. A psalmist who has a strong faith in God. And yet he is not afraid to say this to God. He's not afraid to make this admission in front of the people of God. He's not afraid to put this 
on paper for the rest of the people of Israel to know there are times in my life where I have to admit not all is peace within my mind. Not all is happy and great. There are times when my mind races with worry and anxiety. And so, whether people, I say, admit this or not, and beloved, if we refuse to admit this, we might as well quit that. We may admit that Sometimes there are circumstances. Sometimes there are situations, and often circumstances and situations that are overwhelming to us. And we have a multitude of anxious thoughts. Secondly, let's note that when the psalmist is talking about the fact that he's struggling with his thoughts... He's acknowledging that this doesn't necessarily have to be tied to any circumstances. Now, that often can be the case. And in this case, the psalm shows us the context, and we can understand how things start this way. The psalmist is feeling persecution, and he's looking around, and he's observing that the enemies of God and the enemies of his people seem to be uh, a horde that is more numerous than him and the people of God. And he's watching the way that these ungodly people are behaving, and he's seeing, he, he speaks of that. The people of God, they break in pieces thy people, O Lord, and afflict thine heritage. And so the circumstances definitely have something to do with the fact that his thoughts are racing. But you understand that because of our sinful natures, our thoughts can race and we can become worried at any time. And that's what we have to see here in the text. And this is what can make, and you can probably relate to this, this is what can make dealing with a person who has mental struggles so difficult. You, you might want to say to them, but this doesn't make any sense. You might want to say to them, you don't have any reason to be worried about this thing or that thing. You, you're like the wicked man who fleeth and no man pursueth. But you see, that's exactly the point. These thoughts arise and we struggle with them. Sometimes when it seems like there's no reason for us to be afraid or worried. And so first of all, notice that these thoughts are normal. Secondly, notice that they are thoughts and not necessarily tied to circumstances. And then thirdly, these thoughts require 
help from God. This is a mental, spiritual struggle that requires a spiritual solution. I'm not now saying that a Christian may not seek counsel from a psychologist or from a doctor, take certain kinds of medication from time to time. But beloved, we do have to deal with the fact that the psalmist is talking about his worry and his anxiety, and when he tells us about what brought him peace and comfort and joy, he points us to the Lord. And we ought not be surprised by this. This morning, those of you who are members of the faith congregation, we read from Luke chapter 8 where Jesus told the parable of the soil, of the good sower rather, and there were three kinds of soil. And the second kind of soil relates to what we're considering tonight. Jesus said there was the, the thorny soil, the, the The sower went forth to scatter his seed, and some of the soil had weeds in it. And the picture was this, that before that good seed could sprout and bring forth fruit, the thistles and the weeds grew more quickly and choked out that good seed. And then Jesus went on to explain that part of what chokes out the word of God is the cares of this world. Being anxious about life, about this life, about the things of this life causes a spiritual problem, Jesus says. It takes your eye off God. It takes your eye off His Word, His comfort. And so, and this is counsel for the young women who have made confession of faith, but for all of us here tonight, if you're struggling with anxious thoughts and you're tempted to think, I'm going to find some solution in this world, the text tells you, This world doesn't have anything to offer you that's going to bring you peace of mind and true joy of heart. And our circumstances sometimes are going to tempt us to think that. And the people of the world are sometimes going to tempt us to think, you're having this this problem, you're having this trouble in your life, this is what's causing you anxiety, and now if you just have a little bit more of the world perhaps, a little bit more money, a a few more friends, there's, there's something in this world that's going to quiet your mind and bring you comfort. No? The psalmist recognizes only God's comforts will help me, bring me peace, and bring me joy. 
The only solution is to know God. Now before we look at that, in the second part of the psalm, where the psalmist says, In the multitude of my thoughts within me, thy comforts delight my soul. Let's notice two things that the comforts of God are not. First of all, the comfort is not necessarily that our circumstances will change. That can happen. It can be that the enemies are threatening the people of God and the psalmist cries out and says, Lord, remove my enemies from my life and the Lord can remove the enemies. But that vengeance and that removal of the enemies might not happen in this life. In fact, there's reason to believe that the psalmist is talking about really the return of Christ, the second coming of Christ, and that it's not until the end of the age that God takes vengeance upon the enemies. And yet the psalmist is saying, even if my enemies continue to plague me and thy people, Lord, thy comforts delight my soul. And so if you're in a trial where it feels like the storms of life are brewing all around you, it feels like the floods of troubles are are overwhelming you, and this is contributing to your many anxious thoughts, and you turn to the Lord, don't expect this, that the Lord is going to take away the storms and put away the floods of troubles. But his comforts come in the midst of the storms and the floods of troubles in this life. If this sounds, at first thought, to be discouraging, give it a second thought and recognize what the implication of this is. The implication of this is that our God is able to give comfort and joy in any circumstance. It doesn't matter how bad your circumstance may be. This is the reality of our God. He's he's not a fair weather God. That's, That's the gods of the heathen. The gods of the heathen can only bring you comfort, can only bring you joy if they're bringing you prosperity. But our God is the God who can come to us in our afflictions. Our God is the God who can come to us in our low points. And he can bring us grace and comfort and help. So that the encouragement is, and you have to believe this, no matter what your circumstances in life, you look to God and His comforts will bring you peace and delight. Secondly, in thinking about ministering to anxious people with many anxious thoughts, I determine that it's important to say this too. When God comes to you with his word and with his comforts, that's not going to fix you in the sense that you will never be anxious or worried again. Or, 
if I can speak of depression, it's very closely connected to worry and anxiety. The Christian who struggles with depression must not think this. When I turn to the Lord, there's going to be a quick fix. Now, it's understandable that that's what the Christian wants. The person who is burdened by worries and anxiety, the person who's burdened with depression would like that burden to be lifted. And I can tell you that there are many people who come to the pastor or to the elders or seek counseling, and this is the thought. If, if I am a strong Christian, and if I just get the theology straight and get help from the Lord, I'm not going to be a worrying Christian anymore. I won't be a depressed Christian anymore. This should be fixed. And the reason why I think this is so important to address pastorally is that leads to disappointment and almost more depression. People come thinking, now this is what it's going to mean for me as a Christian. I go and I seek my help from the Word of God and from God. And if I'm a real Christian, that means I won't have depression anymore and I won't have anxiety anymore. And then when they see that they still have racing thoughts, worries, depression, they struggle with doubt. Maybe this means I'm no Christian at all. Beloved, don't take the psalmist that way at all. Well, he's worried he must be a weak Christian. That's not the issue. The issue is not are you a Christian that worries? Are you a Christian that has maybe a tendency to depression? The question is, how do you respond? And do you see the point? The, the weak Christian is the Christian who struggles with a multitude of thoughts and worry and depression. And almost the last person they go to for help is God. Well, I'm going to feel better if I just watch a movie or television or if I go shopping or if I have a certain food or meal or if I turn to alcohol, whatever it is. There's the sign of a weak Christian. This is a worried Christian, the psalmist, who's strong and shows that he's a man of strong faith because he doesn't, in pride, refuse to acknowledge his weakness. He acknowledges it. And then, and then, he says... I need the Lord. And all of this is to say that if any of you struggle with anxious thoughts, a multitude of them, or depression, or any kind of mental distress, the Lord may not take that away from you right away. But He may use that daily to make you Turn to Him and depend upon Him. And if you're doing that, you have no reason for despair or disappointment, but for comfort and for joy. That's God 
assuring you you're one of his. And so know that God has comforts. That doesn't mean he's going to change your circumstances. It doesn't mean that he's right away going to make you a worry-free, depression-free Christian. But it does mean no matter what the situation is, when you put your faith in God and you look for answers from God in his word, he has a comfort for you. And the text doesn't use the word multitude here. The psalmist could do that. He could say, in the multitude of my thoughts within me, the multitude of thy comforts delight my soul. But you understand he does speak of comforts, plural. And he is saying, in a sense, this. There may be a flood of all kinds of anxious thoughts, anxieties, but the reality is God's comfort is so great that it's able to answer every single one of them. The psalmist is wrestling with, does God love me? You wrestle with that? And do you have to throw up your hands and say, well, now there's an anxious thought that God can't do anything about. He has no comfort for me. Absolutely not. The Bible is full of the love of God for his people in Jesus Christ. And the psalmist, at the end of the day, when he's saying, the Lord is my refuge and he's my tower, he's my place of safety, what's he doing? He's looking to God in Jesus Christ for his salvation. Do you have thoughts about sin and guilt that overwhelm your soul? That's quite common for God's people. I sin. Sometimes it's the grossness, perhaps, of the sin. God can't forgive me for this sin. Sometimes it's the habitual nature of the sin. This doesn't seem like such a gross sin, but God has to start running out of forgiveness for me pretty soon. He, he won't forgive me because I keep doing this. And the devil wants you to think that God doesn't have any comfort for you because of your sin. You're guilty. You don't deserve forgiveness. God won't give it to you. Are you that low? Sometimes God's people are that low, they think that. But you know God has a comfort for that. All over the message of the gospel is that Jesus Christ was sent by God into the world to save sinners. Are you struggling with any uncertainty in your life? As a pastor, it seems like almost every situation that I'm faced with visiting the people of God deals with uncertainty. Is this cancer or is this not? Am I going to be healed or am I 
not. And then when you think about the whole of your life, what you control and what you don't, every day is a day of uncertainty. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Don't know if I'm going to have life tomorrow. And then when your thoughts start going down that road, they can multiply, can't they? And I don't know what's going to happen in the future for my children. And you have a little bit of trouble with your child when he's a two- or a three-year-old. And, and pretty soon, even though, again, you might not have any real reason to think this, you're thinking, what if this child is a wayward child? What if this child grows up and leaves the church? And there's all these anxious thoughts about the future and, and uncertainty. There are many passages in the Bible where the Lord comforts us and he says to us, you don't worry about the future, the future is in my hand. I am sovereign. You don't think about tomorrow, you think about today and take one day at a time. And, and if you've ever had to have that word brought to you, you, you've experienced, I've experienced the comfort of that. What a relief. I don't have to worry about tomorrow or next month or next year. God says, take one day at a time. And as far as taking care of you now and in the future, I've got you in my hands. Are you struggling with thoughts about the wicked? That's what the psalm is dealing with in its context. Does it seem like the people of the world are multiplying and that all of the devices of the devil and the wicked against the church are going to swallow up the church, destroy the church? There's no hope for the future of the church. And you know how those thoughts can multiply. Psalm 94 is a comfort, an answer to that anxious thought. The psalmist says, ah, God is the God of vengeance. God is the God who graciously, mercifully calls sinners to repentance. But those who persist in unbelief and those who hate God and His church, God is going to punish and God is going to set everything right not only with regard to the wicked but also with regard to me and his people and the promise here too is ultimately of the second coming of Jesus Christ if the psalmist in Psalm 94 in the Old Testament had worries about what was going to happen and thinking maybe he's never going to come, he was thinking of the first coming of Jesus Christ, wasn't he? And thinking maybe the people of God are never going to see salvation. We in the New Testament might be able to let our thoughts run that way. Peter addresses that even in 1 Peter chapter 3 or 2 Peter chapter 3. 
You, you begin as a Christian to see all the darkness in the world, to see how small and insignificant the church is, and you begin to wonder, what if Jesus doesn't ever come again? What if we aren't delivered from this world? What if the church is ultimately destroyed? God sends the answer through his word. Jesus came the first time. He died on the cross and paid for our sins. He rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and he's coming the second time. And that basic truth of God's word, that basic confession of our faith, it's a comfort, isn't it? that silences many anxious thoughts. I was reminded this week that the people of the world, as intelligent as they may be, don't have answers for the basic questions of life. Where did we come from? Why are we here? What's the purpose of our life? What happens after death? What's going to happen to me? Where am I going to go? And how long is this world going to last forever? Or is it going to come to an end? And how will this world come to an end? Are we afraid of a meteor hitting the earth? No, we know. We know what happens. We know that we're here to glorify God. We know that we're here to show forth the praise of his glory for the sake of our salvation in Jesus Christ. We know what's going to happen after we die. We're going to go to heaven to be with the Lord. And we know how this world's going to end. Not through nuclear holocaust. Not through some comet smashing into our planet. But our Lord Jesus Christ is going to come again. He's going to make a new heaven and a new earth. And there, God's comforts, His word, His presence, His glory will delight us forever perfectly. Again, we could spend a long time going through the scripture and finding all the different ways that God comforts us. But what's important is that you as a congregation and you young women know that whatever the circumstance is or whatever the thought is, the comfort is found from God in his word. In fact, you women are an encouragement to the entire congregation in this tonight. Why would a young woman ask that a pastor consider preaching on Psalm 94 verse 19 on the occasion of making public confession of faith? And we know the answer to that, don't we? This is asked by a person who has struggled with anxious thoughts. And why did she ask that this verse 
be used because in the midst of those anxious thoughts, she sought help from the Lord. And I haven't asked her this yet, but my assumption is that either she went to the Word and found Psalm 94, verse 19, or maybe her parents or some other Christian whom she sought help from said, wait a minute, you're struggling with worry and anxiety? You're struggling with the, the thoughts of your mind maybe during the day, maybe while you're lying in bed? You know, there's a word of God for that. In the multitude of my thoughts within me, thy comforts delight my soul. Now, I've read that verse before, but before studying it for this sermon, it never hit me like it has now. What a beautiful verse when dealing with the anxieties and the struggles of this life. This verse, this verse then indicates that there were anxious thoughts. There was a seeking of the Lord and comfort from his word. And then this, the experience of a comforted and delighted soul. In other words, the testimony before us tonight, beloved, is of a young woman, a Christian, who is saying this, in my distress I sought the Lord and He answered me. He answered me. And He brought delight to my soul. Don't look for earthly joy. Too often what we want are the delights of this life, of our flesh, the delights of the world. And when that's true, if you're going through trouble or you're dealing with anxiety and you're not experiencing comfort and peace, this may be why. You want the delight of your flesh and not your soul. Turn to God and look for your happiness in the Lord. And then understand that this psalm is saying really two things. One, objectively, the Lord has blessed you. The Lord has given you reason to be happy. But then secondly, Understand that the psalm is saying, and that's your experience. This is what the psalmist is saying. I, I am struggling with anxiety, with anxious thoughts. I've turned to the Lord, and I have found happiness. Are you happy? And are you able to say tonight, not only when things are going well. But even when I am struggling with worry, depression, difficult circumstances, I'm happy 
I rejoice in my soul in the Lord. Beloved, this is a word of God that admonishes you and me. Are you happy? You should be. You should be. You are blessed by God. You have his word. You have salvation. And even, did you catch that? Blessed is the man whom thou chastenest, O Lord, and teachest him out of thy law. Even when you are going through trouble, the Lord is disciplining you. He's disciplining you in love. He's disciplining you for your good. He's disciplining you to make you let go of the world. To seek not comfort in the world or in your own thoughts, but in Him. And He's giving you the opportunity to shine in that chastening as a more glorious light in the world. Beloved, you may shine and you should shine as a light for the glory of God even when things are going well in your life. But when God takes away your earthly comfort, your earthly prosperity, your earthly peace, and he puts you in trouble, and you begin to acknowledge that you are struggling, that's when God gives you the opportunity to be a brighter witness, to put your faith and your reliance in him. Knowing then, his promises, knowing his word, knowing his salvation. You should be happy in Jesus Christ because of the many delightful comforts God gives you through his word and for Jesus' sake, amen. Father in heaven, Work thy word into our hearts. Use that word to comfort and bring peace to our minds. Grant that in the midst of our troubles, we may remember that our focus even then is not to be on ourselves, but to be on thee, to be upon thy word, to be upon whatever is for thy glory. And grant, Father, to us a people who face spiritual, mental, physical problems every single day. Grant that grace that we need to look to Thee. And then speak to us, Lord, in Thy Word. And make us to be faithful and diligent to search Thy Word, to meditate upon it. And as we study thy word, may we find that it is an ocean of 
more and more unending comfort. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.